0: Welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, And on this week's show, we'll be doing another little review of a Target novelisation, and this time it's The Tenth Planet, the last story of the First Doctor. But first, let's have some news. And there's been quite a bit been uh, sort of teased for the uh, this year's Christmas special, isn't there?
1: Yes, although I haven't actually seen a lot of it myself
0: it's right. been this week, so. Ah, oh, right, OK. Well, as I've been sitting on my backside all week, I've been able to keep my finger on the pulse. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, I don't think want to rephrase that. <laughs> but there you go. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you start as you mean to go. Right, OK. Yeah. Now, um, yesterday, uh, there was a very, very brief trailer shown on BBC One just before uh, Merlin, which confirms the news earlier on this week that Doctor Who Christmas special will be shown on 5.15pm on Christmas Day. Which yeah. is, um, yeah, rather early for my liking.
1: That means uh, that means it will go out and it means it would be even longer between it going out and me actually being able to see it as it <laughs> usually is at Christmas. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, because you're never around to watch the telly on Christmas Day, are you? Oh, <laughs> no.
1: no, the telly's never on. Oh dear. <laughs> What so you got, what you got the... it's Boxing Day before I watch it, so it just oh. means it'd be an extra couple of hours it's been out. Everyone else would have seen it before I do. Not this it's time. It's a like... disgrace, I tell you.
0: <laughs> it's a disgrace. Yeah, it's um yeah, I I think that it has <clears throat> sort of perplexed quite a few people as to why it's so early. And I'm beginning to wonder now, as it's been shown at such an and it, I must admit, it is the seems to be the show when the whole family sits down. Yeah. Um, to watch the telly. This is like I suppose because this is like the common Wise of, of it of its time now, isn't it? That, yeah. Back then everyone sat down to watch the more Wise Christmas special, and I think it's the same there with, with Doctor Who, unbelievably. Um But I given it a wonder now, as it's been shown at such an early time slot, whether it's going to be even more child friendly than last year's Christmas special.
1: That is the worry, isn't it? If it was gonna be a slightly darker one.
0: Yeah, and I'm hoping I'm wrong on that count. I, mean, I suspect that, like, actually, to be honest,
1: Christmas Day, what's show, what time stuff shown on Christmas Day is, is pretty indifferent, really. I mean, is there a much difference between 5.15 and 6.15 on Christmas Day? Everyone's usually had Christmas dinner late. Yep. You're not usually having tea or whatever until much later. Yeah. Anyway. So, actually, probably they might be thinking that is a better time because people aren't then starting to get... At six o'clock, people are starting to think. Oh, starting to feel a bit hungry. Let's go and have something to eat,
0: or yeah,
1: let's start getting food or whatever.
0: I, I, I just, I just want to say to all our non UK listeners that when you say it's when Paul says it's time for tea, it doesn't mean that so we all sit around with our ch- best china, drink drinking what, drinking <laughs> drink, drinking Earl Grey. <laughs> tea tea in this country means we stuff our faces again. <laughs> yes, there's another big big slap up tuck feed going on. So there you are. Yeah. Um,
1: it's usually a cold meat selection.:
0: Oh, it is, yes, and lots of cheeses. oh, I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> you carry on going for some tuck, all right? So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah now another thing that's uh, two big things that have been um, announced for the Christmas special this year. Number one, we are getting a new tardis interior. Yes. Now this is quite exciting, actually, and they've the BBC have released a very, very brief glimpse. Of what the new interior looks like, and for those of you who haven't seen it, it's out there on, on the on the internet. So um, go search it down if if you uh, if you wish. Uh, but um, all they sh- all it really is basically the top. It looks to be the top of the time rotor, doesn't it, where it meets yeah. the ceiling, and lots of Galifron symbols. Yes. So, hmm, interesting. Complete contrast to the previous interior. It actually looks.
1: 't know why it makes me think it looks sort of old style i don 't know what, what I mean by that
0: um what you mean sort of because I mean, excuse me it looks quite
1: big and chunky
0: whereas big and, ch- and shiny as well
1: yeah, as opposed mm-hmm. to everything at the moment being yeah sort of dark and whatever
0: now this is something that um Martin from uh, Bad Wolf podcast tweeted during the week um. Is that now, now that explains why that he and I were allowed to basically manhandle the TARDIS console at the convention this year?
1: Well, I think we 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 mentioned this, didn't we? we uh, yeah. Actually, at the Cardiff thing, because we're talking to the people there and saying about how it's just going to be impossible to move. Yes, yeah, right. The, the console, the the console room, and everything.
0: There's something. And obviously, it was. There. Did something fall over in the background? I know There were whack in the background. No, I'm not here. Oh, it's, oh, it was. It came from, from my headphones. <laughs> the ghost of Pertwee's back, mate. Can't <laughs> start interrupting now.
1: <laughs> if, if, if this turns into a three-way conversation, we know something's up.
0: Oh, thank God you finished that sentence off. With conversation. <laughs> Otherwise, the ghost of Pertwee will make you put on a blonde wig. You have to go as Joe Grant.
1: Oh, that's Sylvester McCoy as Colin Baker.
0: If I hear a ghostly heights in a minute, then I <laughs> then I know he's there. He's crying, he cho- sorry for who's you and I kidded something off the shelf again. <laughs> uh anyway, yes, anyway, what are we saying? <laughs> that is he before? as his Christmas, is he hanging around your flat like Jacob Marley? <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Doctor Past. <laughs>
1: um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> no. I was just saying that, that actually that they were saying that they wouldn't be able to move that console, and obviously mm. they wasn't going to be using up a boat anymore. No. So if they had to actually completely rebuild a console at the, the new studios, then I suppose the chances were they had an opportunity to put a new.
0: Yeah, because I, I must. Um, I've been trying to.
1: Because we actually then wondered whether this might lead to a new Doctor,
2: <laughs> didn't we? We did.
0: Yeah, I think some, one of us mentioned it. Yeah. Um, now this is the thing that um, I'm now trying to figure out is whether they actually filmed the stuff in the in the the current um, Tardis at Upper Boat, and the new one was being built at Row Flock whilst they were filming for the first half of Series Seven.
1: Well, I mean, they were filming by then, weren't they? They were, yeah. Because they'd done quite a bit of some it... of the outside locations. The question of whether they then quickly then did all the TARDIS in- interior scenes.
0: Mm. Because there wasn't actually a lot of them, was there? No, you're right, actually. There wasn't a lot this, this, uh, this half of the season. So
1: it probably wouldn't mm. have taken a huge amount of time to have done the those scenes.
0: Yeah. Mm. That's, that's interesting, actually. That's very interesting.
1: So I suspect they wouldn't have built a new console just to do those episodes. I suspect they did those quickly up a boat mm. before they ripped it out.
0: Yeah. Well, and actually, there's one thing that both myself and Martin are, um, are lamenting as the fact that if we'd have known they were scrapping it, we would have nicked something.
1: Yeah, seeing as most, seeing as you dissembled most of it. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> they were just there were just bits coming off in my hand. It was just. <laughs> Oh, there, yes, I wish I'd sort of walked away with something out of my pocket, but oh, well, never mind. Never mind. Um, if they I, if I had just said that, it would have been like a plague of locusts across the <laughs> it <would have> been, <laughs> Yeah,
1: we, we could have dissembled it for them.
0: Couldn't yeah. We? <laughs> now, um, the other little bit um, of news concerning the Christmas special. Now, we were debating whether to, to talk about this or not, because it is technically a spoiler, but it is in official print, it's in the Radio Times. So, I suppose you get, it's an officially sanctioned bit of uh, of tittle tattle, really, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, if you don't want to know what it is, look away now. Look away now. Look away now. Yes. Or, or put your fingers in your ears and take <laughs> take them out in about two minutes' time. All right.
1: If you're um, listening with headphones, take the headphones off. Yes. Or you put your fingers. I'll, I'll
0: just just skip forward, fast forward through this a little bit we're about to talk about now. Right? Okay. You, have, have they gone? I think they have. Right. Okay.
1: It's it, just us and pert we left.
0: That's it. <laughs> right. Um it's it's Ian McKellen is providing the voice of the snowmen, which is quite a coup, really. Yes. So so not only you've got sort of um it's basically the voice of uh, Gandalf and Magneto himself. Yes, because
1: that's 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 how he's best known.
0: It is. It is actually. Business, <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah, not all, the, that, all the, of those the, years. work the, the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh. Now he's played a, a superhero, bad guy, and uh, and uh, a wizard. That's that's yes. what he's best known for. But uh, <laughs> yes. yes, there you go. Yes, so you can come back in now. It's, it's all over. We're not going to talk about it anymore because nothing to say, really, is there? <laughs> no, nothing to say. That's it. That is the news. It's just a bit, quite a coup. So there you go. Just don't spread it around. All right, right now. Uh, the final little bit of uh, news, just a little bit of, um, I'll say it's a final little bit of news, there's another little bit that leads on after this. Um, DVDs for next year. There's been, the BBFC have um, passed a few extras on some of the releases for next year. So um, you've got the Ark Space Special Edition and the Aztecs Special Edition. And as we know, if we start off with the Aztecs, as we know, we spoke about, I think it was last week actually, uh, the missing episode Airlock, yeah, um, will be um, put on the DVD. That's now been passed along with. Looks like the other missing episode from that story, Galaxy Four. But I thought there was only one missing episode. Yeah, and, well, the, no. and the rest, Airlock, and the rest oh,
1: is from and, Galaxy Four, isn't it? So, yeah, but it's, you've got, it's all the one
0: thing. Well, no, it's not because it says on here Galaxy Four lasts for twenty-eight minutes. Well, perhaps there's a documentary on Galaxy Four. Perhaps they're talking about what they did on Airlock. I was going to say because that's the only episode they found, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: It doesn't actually say documentary. It's a bit weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're just showing it twice, and I hope no one notices. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, and then there's something called the Exploding Planet. Yeah. So yeah. So um, now <laughs> that's the people complaining that they've had two, two copies of Airlock on their DVD. Oh no! <laughs> they just I was sort of reading it. I thought, hang on a minute, that, this this can't be right. This cannot be right. Um, Anyway, other little bits of... We won't go through them all in any great detail, but there's some other extras on there. Something called Chronicle of the Realms of Gold. It's a square world, uh, which was an old Michael Benteen sketch show from the early 60s. Um, Doctor Forever, The Celestial Toy Room. Uh, that lasts for 22 minutes. And then my personal favourite on this one, because just because of the name of it, A Whole Scene Going. Yes. <laughs> Very 60s. Very 60s. I bet the words fab and groovy are used quite a lot in that four minutes. <laughs> that was
1: something else that they showed at the recent BFI, or was found, or whatever, wasn't it, of the missing stuff? Yeah,
0: wasn't that shown... Ooh. I think it might have be been shown
1: last year, wasn't it? I think
0: it was, actually. Wasn't it shown as part of the... Oh... Their last Missing Believe White weekend thing, wasn't it? Yeah. That that, that Airlock and Underwater yeah. menace were episode three was shown. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously, now, the whole scene going... That link. link. That does link rather nicely, doesn't it? Yes. Um, Because a a whole scene, uh, lasting a minute or so, has been found and will be um, reintroduced as a director's cut for episode one of Terror of the Zygons, which is um, quite a coup. Yeah. This is brilliant. It was, um, apparently it consists of partial colour, partial black and white footage um, and soundtrack. Um, It lasts a minute and a half, that's it. So basically they had to recolourise um, everything, so it must have taken quite some time. Perhaps they used something called Babel color, yeah, um, which they used to colorize uh, episode one of Mind of Evil. Evil, yeah, yeah. So, and they used music from a CD soundtrack of Terror of the Zygons and the Caesar Doom, which was released in two thousand. So it says here. Yeah, I mean, so. it, but don't, don't they say actually that
1: the. The actual music from that scene was released on the CD. It was never,
0: never, yeah. The, just the scene itself has never been shown. Yeah, yeah. So on the DVD, you can watch episode one as a director's cut with the scene included, which is basically um, the Doctor Harry and Sarah Jane landing in Scotland in the TARDIS, uh, which I just assumed was always in the original transmitted version. But it's been so long since I last seen it, I just, I just took that for granted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or you can watch the episode as transmitted
1: Yes, in case you're
0: that way inclined Yeah, exactly have
1: to see the original
0: Yes, indeed Um, Now the other quick bits, Ark in Space Special Edition, there's a new making of, has been released uh, for for that particular release And also you get to see the omnibus version of that story, uh, which was last transmitted on the 12th of August 1975 Yes yeah, so there I go. wonder
1: if they're when they're saying that was that last transmitted on BBC or just as in last transmitted because I wondered whether UK Gold would have shown because they quite liked making their own omnibus versions they, of stuff, didn't they?
0: Now, I'm trying to think back to their omnibus ones whether they actually showed them in their entirety. I don't think they they cut anything because it wasn't sort of like put into a because it used to, I mean, it used to take on a whole. This is when UK Go used to be good. used like a whole evening. Yeah. Um, or a morning or whatever.
1: Yeah. Let's remember Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings. Get yeah. Get up, yeah.
0: Um, Doctor Who. It was the whole thing was dedicated to, to the entire story. Whether yeah. it was something like the war games. Yeah. It would be shown all 10 episodes. And as far as I'm aware, nothing was cut out, was it?
1: I don't think so because I don't no. think that was, there, was, there was never under scheduling time pressure. No, exactly. it's just whether they started at about whether they started at eight in the morning or seven in the morning tended to be the
0: that that was the that was the uh...
1: <laughs> they tended to work from the finish time backwards, so they just started them earlier. If that yeah. was longer episodes. That was, that was
0: the clincher for them, really, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. So the BBC with their um, omnibus versions, they would cut stuff out. I remember, they did that for they showed an omnibus version of Genesis the Daleks once, I seem to recall, and there were lots cut out of that. Obviously, they had a time slot to fill. Yeah. And that's how they did it, unfortunately. But, yes, there we go. There we go. Now, um, another quick bit. There's also going to be confirmed... There's going to be Visitation. Yeah. Special, special Edition, edition as, we, yeah. as well. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, next year... Is it is next year we're getting Reign of Terror? I can't remember when the DVD yeah, releases. It is next year. Something, it's
1: quite early, so, isn't
0: it? January or so. January, January, February, January or something like that? January, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously... In that story, you've got two episodes have been animated to complete the story. Yeah. Now, um, it's also been asked whether they're going to animate any other um, stories that have missing episodes. Now, basically what um, they've said is that any story with a maximum of two episodes missing are being considered as commercially viable. Yeah. As they say. And
1: that, that sort of makes sense. because yeah. there's, there's still quite a few of those, isn't there, at the moment?
0: Yeah. So basically, they're saying the one the stories that meet that criteria is um, the Ice Warriors, the Moonbase, the now the underwater menace, yeah, and the tenth well, planet, obviously.
1: Well, we sort of mentioned about the underwater menace when it they found the other episode, didn't it? That, that sort of gave them uh, four out of six, mm. which seemed to put it right, bang in the recognition for getting two animated versions in the same way as Invasion did, yeah. And then it was interesting then when they just announced that uh, Airlock would be just shoved onto as an extra or another DVD that they hadn't mentioned the other episode of The Underwater Menace they found. So it does sound Mm. as if they are holding it back for some reason, which would suggest that they are holding it back because they can now
0: do something with animation. Complete the story. Now, um, to sort of back this up, um, Brian Hodgson... Who's one of the original sound designers? He um, said back in June that he recorded the commentary for the Moon Base. Yeah. And it also says it, and possibly The Underwater Menace. Uh, Fraser Hines told the audience at the Dimensions convention that he'd just done a commentary for the Ice Warriors alongside yeah. Sonny Cordonese, who was one of the Ice Warriors.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe the chances are getting better. Maybe I'd have have thought so
1: because I mean they are going to run out unless they're going to start going through completely everything again, doing revisitations of stuff. Yeah. Um, Although something about David Banks has also said he's done a new commentary for a shock, hasn't he? That's right. Yeah. So Um, I mean, it looks like they're going to go down that way as well. But you'd have thought they need to be putting out something at least something new. Well, into in between all this stuff, rather than just. Doing yeah, re releases it
0: does seem a bit weird if on the 50th anniversary they're not holding something back absolutely massive. Yeah, for, for a DVD release next year. Yeah, it would be it would be a pity. But and
1: and I mean the ones that have just been mentioned there do seem to be ideal. I mean, I'm not quite sure about the Underwater Menace actually. Out of those, <laughs> but yeah. cer- certainly the others you'd have thought were prime for having something, animations done to get them out because of the what stories they are.
0: Mm. Well, this actually um, links... This is podcasting gold this week. This link links into the last news item. Radio Times has launched uh, a missing episodes hunt. Yes. Um, now, it says that there are still 106 episodes to be recovered, which I don't think ever will be, unfortunately.
1: I mean, the point is, though, people were saying this just over a year ago, weren't they? There's 100 mates, yeah. and none of those are ever going to be found. Yeah. And this is why they're doing it, isn't it? Is because they've basically given up on the fact that there was ever going to be any more found.
0: Yeah, well, 106, that's a lot of episodes to be recovered. It really is. Yeah, I'd do it uh, two at
1: a time. Be, yeah, that'd <laughs> do.
0: be fine. I might live long enough to see that. Yeah.
1: It's the question is, is anybody else going to live... that's probably Actually, it may not be that they're going to be doing this. They might just be recording the commentaries and everything by these people while they're still alive. <laughs> so that in 20 years' time, if they ever do find... That's
0: a very cynical yeah. marketing
1: ploy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to think ahead.
0: Yeah, haven't you haven't, yeah. Do you want to record our obituaries now or something? You? <laughs> <laughs> you
1: think this show's that bad, <laughs>
0: People are going to be saying that's what we've been doing for the last 80 episodes. We should record this show's obituary for last year. Crikey. Should have done that before last year. We should have done that before our Christmas special last year. <laughs> no, I think that is our obituary. <laughs> that was the show that buried the Who's Eat podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Basically what they're they're appealing to people to search
2: because,
1: no, I've never met them. No,
0: no. They're to to basically search in your attics, go in your garages and, and go and look at find stuff and if you find it send it in and let the be, let the Radio Times know. Okay? So I haven't
1: got an attic or a garage.
0: Um, no, have I. Attic. <laughs> I've got a loft. <laughs> I was like, uh,
1: <laughs> that's gonna say. That's because you're middle class. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I thought attic was a bit more, bit more. That's a bit upper class, isn't it? I don't know. An attic, attic sort of seems to me that it's one of those rooms you walk around in, and it's got, and it's for some reason, it's, a, <laughs> it's always got a dummy up there. In the film, there's always got one well, of those old fashioned dummies up in Who has one of them in their house? For God's sake! <laughs> no, no. What's scares the children? It, it, isn't isn't it? That's the nanny's rooms.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Mary Poppins' room, is it? Yes. (laughs) blimey gub, I strike a light. (laughs) Yeah, so if you um, do have any missing material, you can email the Radio Times at lostwho at radiotimes.com.
1: I just like the idea that somebody listening to our podcast has got loads of missing material and
0: hasn't. You never know. You never know. Who knows, mate? (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) I could have something up in my loft, couldn't I? Not in my attic. Attics have trunks in, don't they? <laughs> they are trunks full of family heirlooms and things like that. And, and as I said, dummies. dress <laughs> Dressmaker's dummies. That's the, one, the word I'm looking for. Dressmaker's dummies. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> as opposed to ventriloquist. Dummies.
0: Oh, no, that's really creepy. Bloody hell. Imagine imagine going out into your attic for the first time. One wow, of those bloody things staring back at you. <laughs> Good God. I'll, <laughs> I'll be rooted to the spot if I saw one of them. <laughs> Oh, dear. Right, let's wrap this sorry news item up then, shall we? Okay, folks, so coming up next is our review of the 10th Planet Target novelisation. I can't even say it properly. So, for another week then, that was the news. Right, folks, we're going to talk about the 10th Planet Target novelisation now. Um, Obviously, during this, we will be comparing it to the transmitted TV version. Yes. Or uh, what's left of it, I what's should say. To, yeah. Yeah, which I managed to uh, watch on uh what was it? Daily Motion I think hosts that particular story. Um yeah, now obviously if you haven't read the novelisation there probably will be a little bit spoilerific for you if that's an actual yes. word. I don't know. So um yeah, so please be advised, this is gonna be full of spoilers if you've never read the book. Or if even never all, or even watched all, it, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
1: And if you're worried that if they are gonna animate the last version, this might spoil it when it, it comes out on d v. d then might listen to it
0: either yeah exactly so um yeah the, i have always had problems with the tenth planet uh because I don't think it's really that great a story
1: no that 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 was where I was coming from. I was trying to work out what I was gonna say about this, and yeah. effectively, yeah, that is it. My, mainly, I think my problem with this story is actually the doctor doesn't do anything.
0: No, he doesn't. Um, I know that was I, I, the idea. I, the idea. I know that. that was, yeah, I know that was more to do with the fact that Hartnell wasn't. And he, he does one. It's his last story. He does one of his usual things. He sits an entire episode out due to yeah. illness, which fine, the guy was ill. Um, however, in the book, they could have addressed that. Yeah. I
1: suppose it's just the question of how much they felt they had to stick to the story as transmitted.
0: Well, th- this is the problem, because th- there's, a whole, there's a whole raft of things that I have a problem with in, in the book. Um, first of all, um, Jerry Davis wrote the novelisation for Target. Yeah. And obviously, he was one of the people involved with Kit Peddler who created the Cybermen, because this is the Cybermen's uh, first story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, Jerry Davis, all he's really done is literally translated his script into a book. Yeah. He's hardly made any changes at all. And those he has done... Don't actually
1: add to the story.
0: No, they don't. They really you do get not. A, you get a long
1: beginning about the fact that they've landed and they haven't. there hasn't been anything exciting for a while. No. Nah. And they want to go out and the Doctor doesn't want them to and... That's about the first chapter, isn't
0: it? I think, yeah. I think this is the whole, whole problem. because he he could have addressed all the problems of the of the TV version, and he hasn't. He might. No. He's, he, okay, the opening scene in the TARDIS, he's padded out a little bit more because literally in the TV version they just land. Yeah. Doctor puts his cloak on and out they go. Yeah. But in the book version, he argues a little bit more with them, doesn't he? Yeah. And, but, that, and they actually put on some proper. Um, Arctic, con- all of them, including the Doctor, put on some pr- uh, sort of proper Arctic condition clothing yeah, to go outside, which makes more sense than what was shown on the on team. But that's... But also the other thing he's done, this was published in 1976, uh, this book, and it was also retrofitted to the time as well. So a lot of the things that are mentioned, like in the 60s, he's dropped more 70s references in. Yeah. Which don't make a lot of sense in a, a lot of it, because... Um, Ben and Polly... Now, this, this is the other thing. Maybe we should have read The War Machines beforehand because The War Machines is very much set in the 60s. Yeah. And that's where we meet Ben and Polly for the first time. Sort of like, uh, Polly's your, um, your archetypal swinging 60s... I hate to use this, but Dolly Bird, to use a phrase of the time. Um, because you've got the whole thing in the club, haven't you? Yes. This is the Doctor's first time in contemporary Britain. So, now they've moved this to the 70s. This story, so the whole thing is now sort of shifted on because the story well, actually the story of the TV version was set in 1986, which yeah. then which then ties into things like Attack of the Cybermen, doesn't it? Because that yeah. was set in eighty five. Yeah, it's all about the Cybermen trying to avoid what was going to happen to the, to Mondas in 1986. But this, this the book has been moved forward to 2000.
1: Yeah, which I couldn't understand. I mean, why? Did he by 1976? Oh, that's ridiculous. That's only going to happen in ten years' time. Yeah, i move it on four years.
0: Well, the only it's... reason I could think he's done that because in the the um in the TV version, Ben because it's all about like a um a a, a a what do you call it? A space launch and stuff yeah. like that. And and Ben in the TV version says, oh, "Oh, you've you've gone to the moon now," because Ben came from nineteen seventy uh, from 1966. Yeah. Um, but in the book, you now so ask Mars oh, have they been to Mars now? Yeah. Which, no, we still haven't, have we? So. No, no, that's,
2: that's actually <laughs> that, the point. Having moved it
0: forward,
1: you'd have thought you'd have then moved it forward more than four years. If you, by 76 you thought it's not going to have happened by 86, Yeah, they'd have gone to Mars. But let's make it 2010 or something like that. At least, I know, we still haven't been to Mars by then. By yeah. then but at least you'd have thought, if you're going to move it forward, because you don't you think 86 is too close... Did four years really make a lot of difference?
0: Yeah, sick. Now, the other thing as well, another thing that... um, I'm sort of skipping forward a little bit here, but the bit where Ben is locked um, in sort of like the... the, uh, the, Was it the cinema room? Yeah.
1: He goes through films without actually naming any, doesn't he?
0: Exactly. But apart from one, he switches a film on, and it's Roger Moore as James Bond. James Bond, yeah. And he appears to be fighting... And it's, was it, black-clad karate students... So yeah. I'm assuming he, he, Jerry Davis referencing the man with the golden gun there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I've forgotten about that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, but looking at that, Ben knows who Roger Moore is as James Bond. So, again, he's moved the time forward to Ben from being from the 70s. Yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense. I'd like to know what was in the previous novelisation for The War Machines now, whether that was did... kept in the 60s or that was moved forward. Did, did he move that forward as well? Well, he didn't write that. I don't know who wrote um War Machines.
1: Yeah. Which suggests it probably wouldn't have been then.
0: Nah. I couldn't I imagine there was a lot of collaboration going on. I think it's pretty much his story and he just moved it forward. Well, the War
1: Machines has also sort of got itself tied to the 60s for more reasons than other, other than the Post Office it's Tower. tower
0: yeah, it? that's right. I'll, actually, Which is
1: supposed to be newly opened. So
0: I know I know, we're not talking about the War Machines novelisation, but I'd like to see if they come up with a better resolution to Dodo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, that's, that's one of the ones where
1: I think, just like, yeah, let's read that cause I've got to see. So, yeah, yeah, you had all these odd bits in there, yeah. And actually, when I read, when I started to read this, um, what I actually wanted was perhaps even more of a backstory to some of the staff members of the base.
0: It there wasn't. At, it really was sort of like writing by numbers, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: they they, they stayed very two dimensional. I mean, they literally just spoke their lines that you. The the, the lines in the book are actually just what they spoke in the series. There's no anything else to them.
0: No, there there isn't, is there? It's just...
1: And that's really what I was hoping to get from the book, that you was actually going to understand um, Barclay and Cutler more.
0: Yeah, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing for any of them. No. I think that this is my whole problem, because the... Okay, now, if you get the the, the last Doctor's story, it's usually... um, Sorry, the Doctor's last story... Uh, before he regenerates, it's usually a big deal. We're used to yeah. that now. It's a big deal when the doctor's going to regenerate and you. And you look at things for all its um, for all its many many faults. Uh, end end of time parts one and two. It was big, overblown, blah blah. This is what we're used to now. Um, hopefully, not used to stories of that quality. But anyway, <laughs> um, but back then, it was just another story. Yeah, there was no big. But the Doctor didn't have a big moment. He didn't um, really sacrifice himself. He just sat in the corner for most of the story. Yeah, one one entire episode, and this is reflected again in the book. He spends it asleep on a bunk bed. Yeah. Now this is what I can't understand. Why why would you do that in the book as well? No, I I know they tried to make more out of it. The fact that it was the effects of Mondas. Um taking energy from Earth, was affecting the Doctor. And that was never really explained that clearly in the TV version. It's not really that much better in the book. No,
1: I mean, it, it's not. It's There's actually no extra explanation. No. You, the whole thing with the Doctor you, you get from Holly and Ben's perspective. Mm. You don't actually get anything from the Doctor's perspective in this story at all.
0: No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. It, it's really... it's. Peculiar book, it really is. I I thought if usually the book will address any problems or shortcomings that um, you know maybe the uh, the wrong actor was cast, so the book can address that, or you can pad out as you say pad out the character, give him a bit more backstory, or address things where they didn't have the budget yes to film certain things. You can put that in the book. In this, they he didn't bother. No, there's there's no for the whole usually usually the book
1: will will cover a few holes that are there. I mean, you might not cover all of them because some of them might be too big to even try and... Yeah. Because the books aren't that, that big, so, you know, obviously you can't go into... No one's expecting them to go into details. But normally they will cover bits that are just missed out in the story, in, in the filmed episodes mm. and give you a little bit more background and make characters a bit more three-dimensional. yeah. This doesn't at
0: all. No, not at all. Not at all. It's um. Yeah, unfortunately, I say actually, the only two characters that sort of are more
1: alive in the book than they are on the screen mm. are probably the two astronauts in oh, Zeus Four.
0: Uh Williams and Schultz. Yeah. What? Yeah. Now this is. The f- I was actually saying the stuff written in the capsule was. I thought that he. The only thing he did add to this was there was more tension. Yeah. In, in that particular, and that, it, that, actually, that yeah. actually
1: is the story. That's actually the gripping story in this book. Yeah, is them. The rest is pretty much.
0: Well, this, actually, you, you've just brought onto something I wanted to. I wanted to highlight actually was the fact that um, in the TV version, Williams um, is black. Yeah. Okay. So, and he's kept that in the book. Okay. and Obviously, I don't know if it was written. In the script at the time that Williams was a, a black astronaut, or just the fact they just happened to cast a black actor, yeah, I don't know. In the book now, um I, I'm not uh, offend anyone here. Please, please, this is this is what was written. This is all I'm, I'm saying here. Williams is referred to as a Negro and coloured. Yeah. Now I don't know if this is Jerry Davis' attempt at trying to be non-confrontational here. But it, but again, that just screams of when it was written at the time. At the time it was written, yeah. Um, which now you you just wouldn't do, no. You just wouldn't do, and that's the thing I actually prefer about the TV version. There's no mention made of his color.
1: No, yeah, it's not important.
0: It's not. No, but in the book, he just seemed to make. He had to reference the fact that the guy was black. Yeah. But it's just yeah. the way it's the way he's put it, though. Yeah. You know, he said oh, Williams. It's someone that says Williams is a Negro. I thought, oh, when I sort of read that, I sort of cringed a little bit, to be honest. Um, and also the way he describes Polly as well. There's certain scenes, when she walks into the base, he might as well just written that the entire base gave out a collective <laughs> when she walked in, because he just wrote Polly's long, slender legs. Another part he wrote, her tall, shapely figure. Mm. So... <laughs> I thought, bloody hell, this is meant to be a, like a, a, a kid's book and he seems to be letching over the, one of the Doctor's companions.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, descriptions of people rather than, yeah, you want actually emotions, don't you, in books? Yeah. That's the things that grab you in, that's the things that draw you into a book. Yeah. Is when you can actually start, you start feeling for the people and you, whatever and it's just plain descriptions of them. I don't think really do that. So it I th- I just think, becomes superfluous to the uh, storyline.
0: Yeah, I think that's... I mean, one the last book we did was uh, Primus of Mars, wasn't it? And we mentioned yeah. in that the difference in appearance of Dr. Warlock. Yeah. Um, in the book, he was a big, burly man. In the TV version, he was um, an old, bald, quite slender, very thin, old Angler. man. was yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Good, good description. Um And he's done the same with Dyson's character. Yeah. Because in in the TV version, he was a little short, fat, bald man. But in the TV, uh, in the book, he's, again, quite a big chap. Yeah. Quite heavy set and and burly. But, um, yeah, so that's the only character he did actually change. Yeah. Now, actually, he describes Barclay as being an Australian as well. And I can't remember if the guy, the actor in the TV show, was actually doing an Australian accent or not. I didn't notice it to be honest. Oh, I didn't notice it, it either, if I'm perfectly honest. But but anyway, getting getting back to the um the stuff in the capsule, I, I actually thought that was probably the best bit of bits of the book.
1: Yeah, you actually got a feeling for what was going on in the capsule.
0: Well, because that was that sort of Jerry Davis's background, he was sort of a bit more scientific, wasn't he? Yeah, and I suppose you would expect him to write those sort of things a bit a bit more clearly.
1: Yeah, no, but not even that. But you had their, you know, the sort of reactions, the the facts of almost their depression, of, mm. uh, and of what was happening. They're inevit- they they realised that they inevitably wasn't going to be back.
0: Yeah, he, he did seem to empathise more with the astronauts than any other character, yeah. hey, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and and that's that. And having read the book, they're the two people that you actually do feel for mm. in this, because because actually, I mean, there's quite a few people get killed in this.
0: Yeah, now that was the other I was going to say. And they're
1: the only two that are really given, even given a name.
0: Yeah. Because the, um... <laughs> now you've got, actually, the the, um, the Italian soldier, when they yeah. first spot uh, the Doctor Ben and Polly on, on, the, um, on the surface, um, he's given a name now, Tito. Yeah. Um, now, at least in the book version, they dropped the awful Cod Italian accent that the yeah. actor was doing in the TV version. It was, it was, Atrocious, it really was. Um, but when the Cybermen attack or kill the, the, the first group, of which, which I think Tito was one of, um, Jerry Davis goes on about shattered necks and skulls smashed like eggshells. Yeah. Which which was pretty graphic, actually. Yeah. Yeah, So, but there was another description. He, again, going back to the capsule. And, uh, <laughs> again, it was uh, to do with um, Williams. He's, he wrote, now, I'm assuming this is some kind of seat... That you have in space capsules He said, Williams relaxed back into his scat Now, as I said, I'm assuming that's cut some kind of seat But I didn't want to Google that for no. Because I didn't want to see What kind of websites I got Returned when I typed in the word scat So <laughs> No thank you I'm, I'm, I'm just intrigued to know what. If anyone knows what a scat is Please let me know <laughs> I'd love to know what that is hmm. You've got no opinion on that whatsoever, have you? No No <laughs> Good. If you knew a lot about scat mate, well I'm distancing myself from you right away. <laughs> um anyway. Cool well, that was a conversational cul-de-sac, wasn't it? Yes. Um yeah. <laughs> Christ. Um where were we? Where were we? Now he also the description of the Cybermen in the book isn't exactly brilliant either.
1: No, they're just
0: silver figures, aren't they? Yeah, well he mentions they're made a bit more out of steel and plastic. Um and something about the light on top of their heads. But he doesn't really give too much, as you say, just silver figures. Yeah. And that's it. Um, the cyber guns are a little bit... They're totally different to what they are on a TV show. They're like a little cylindrical handheld device. Yeah, well, that makes sense, doesn't yeah, exactly. it? I mean, those exactly. Great, those great big units they had in the... uh
1: were carrying around searchlights.
0: <laughs> <but> <laughs> exactly, yeah. they were, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he also introduces the cyber the concept the cyber leader, which who has got a black helmet. Don't take that phrase as a <laughs> in the wrong way. Yeah, it just a little bit. Yeah, I thought there there wasn't a black helmeted cyber leader in the TV version, was there? No. And this but makes I... it, this makes you wonder if he just pinched that from subsequent yeah stories, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's just decided. Oh, well, that's what people now expect. So I'll put that in. Yeah, which um, is
0: fair enough. Actually, I don't, I've, I've got no problem. No, I've got no problem with that. At least it added something to the story.
1: If you're sort of updating your story to match continuity with later stories, then that's fine. It's yeah. just the other updating he's done in this doesn't at all.
0: No, it just seems to be. I'll chuck in as many references to the seventies as I possibly can. Yeah, and he took it out of he took it out of a time zone. Yeah, and it's it's a whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah the year two thousand sounds futuristic. Yeah, and, and just and just chuck that in for no good reason.
1: Man, man, it, there, was, there was no no I've got there was no problem with him updating the cruise the st- base station people to be to know about the seventies mm. and whatever. But as you said, it was actually updating Ben to know about the seventies. So then took him out of. His time zone.
0: Yeah, exactly. It didn't make any sense.
1: Unnecessarily took him out of yeah. his time zone. He could quite happily stay in the 60s because that's all he knew.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it, it just, the, the, the stuff he did change was, was pointless. Yeah. You know, it absolutely added nothing to the story. Now, there's one massive, massive problem I have with this book and with the, TV, the transmitted version, and that is General Cutler. I didn't actually so much have a problem with the book.
1: I did, because as in, as in that he was still a reasonably two-dimensional character.
0: Well, this—I'll start with my, with my. Obviously, I've watched um, the the TV serial before reading the book. See, I hadn't. Right. Okay. So
1: not for years and years and years. So. Okay.
0: Now, Robert Beatty, I thought was bloody awful. Yes. Right. It was. It was so over. I agree the th- with you. Yes, yeah, So over the top. The character was. You know, there should have been some real. Um, okay, I know Doctor Who didn't really do emotional stuff back then like it does now, but his whole thing about his son being trapped up in space, he was losing power because he was set up to rescue the, the previous two astronauts, yeah. Williams and Schultz, and he basically gets caught in the same power drain thing that the previous two astronauts yeah. were. So, the whole thing it's a race against time to get his son back down to Earth. So, there's the emotional hook. Yeah,
1: but and and also the fact that then that drives him more to what he does then. is more based, everything then, as far as he's concerned, is based around his son rather than what's good for the base and what's good for Earth and whatever.
0: Exactly. Now, now, the thing is, what he thinks is good for this, and this is my problem with the TV story and the book as well. The book doesn't do anything to address this. In fact, in fact oh, no, I'll save my son. I will detonate the doomsday weapon. That'll save him. And, even says, and he says in the book, one, I think it was Barclay or said, you know, this could affect your son. Said. And it's that like, that's a chance I'm willing to take. I'll get out. It was—it did make no sense whatsoever.
1: Well, he does say that he's going to do it when his son's on the wrong side. On the of wrong
0: life. side. I mean, oh, sorry. It was just utter, utter I mean, nonsense. you are
1: talking about a question about how quickly an orbit would be, that how that he'd be round the right side, if you like. Yeah, Very exactly. Anyway, yeah, it's not exactly as if any radiation is going to have dispersed by the time he comes round.
0: Well, it's not only that you're going to have bits of Mondas floating around in the atmosphere. You know, certainly. But well, we're in the still not quite Earth sure
1: how quite how close Mondas is.
0: Well, if you're going to blow something up, it's going to yeah. the trajectory is going to send it hurtling back towards Earth. So not only yeah. talk about radiation, but it's also the the bloody clinker that's going to come off that planet. Yeah. So which he's then got to fly through to get back down to Earth if he survived the blast.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, I suppose there's a sense that he knows that if he doesn't... He, he feels if he doesn't do anything, then his son's going to go the same way as the other two. Mm. So I suppose he's then got it fixated that the only thing he can do is that. And that's the only thing he can do to save his son.
0: So this is my problem because he could have been a sympathetic character... And he tried to make him a little bit more sympathetic towards the end, just before he he got killed, basically, when he he sort of more or less pleading with the radio operator, yeah, you know, getting please get in contact with my son, see if he's all right. That is one only time he sort of tried to make him just a little bit more sympathetic. And the TV the TV show the the guy was just a a a cock basically, yeah. I mean, And, and, and and the thing that my problem was he wrote him. As Robert Beatty played him, yeah, and that was my problem. He changed the description of General Cutler, but he didn't change the character. He was a he was a cock on the television, and he was a cock in written form as well.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I but then it comes back that he just is very two dimensional. He's just there's no real
0: and even put he's even that made him a cigar chomping caricature, didn't he in the book? Yeah, with with the uh, the. Sort of American buzz cut, hair, haircut as well. So it, which slightly I think works better than it does than um, Robert Robetti's greasy fat man look. Yes, <laughs> um, out, out of condition uh, uh, general, but yeah, yeah, you could
1: yeah yeah because actually the way that Cutler is, you could imagine that he would be supremely fit and expect all these men to be supremely fit. Yeah, and whatever. Yeah. So, actually, he wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have thought he'd have been a look like Robert Beatty at all.
0: No, shit.
1: <laughs> and as I say, having not seen it for a while, that was not how I was well, imagining
0: there, him. Well, there's the other thing as well, where, we're, um, now, I can't remember, I seem to have blanked this bit out, when Cutler finds Ben disconnecting the wiring in the, in the rocket, Yeah. in the book, he threatens to shoot Ben first. Yeah. Before he, sort of throws him over the, the, the gantry. Does he threaten to shoot him in the TV? I can't remember, in the TV version.
1: No, he just runs in and... Just
0: runs in, yeah. Pulls
1: him Mainly probably because in the TV version, he's only got to take five steps because that's the size of the studio. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> yes, in the book,
2: true. That is it true, was yeah. quite
1: a wire up. And <laughs> he had to climb a ladder and something, didn't need to grab him. I believe so, he yeah. He grabs his foot or something
0: yeah, first, I, I doesn't did, he? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I seem to have sort of... Blank that bit from my mind for some particular reason, Mm. but
1: whereas actually, you know, if if it had threatened him with a gun in the first one, Ben could have just turned around and taken the gun off of him Um, (laughs) because they'd have been that close anyway (laughs) in the TV scene.
0: Yeah, as as Rocket Silos go, it was pretty snug, wasn't it? (laughs) It was, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just had real big problems with the with the Cutler character, and the book did nothing to address those those problems. No. No, in fact, it seemed to compound them if anything else.
1: No, and, yeah, and you, you, yeah, like I say, you don't really feel that much for Barclay and Dyson either, do you? It's just not...
0: No, this is this... no, You
1: have no feeling for them. No. I mean, Barclay turns very quickly to being on the side of Polly and Ben in stopping the weapon, which is, I can understand he says, he know, you know, he's got a rough idea of what's going to happen. Mm. But you have thought like in the book, they could have drawn that out more and given him more of the mental anguish as to whether he should be following his orders or his conscience
0: yeah it they just didn't well Dosis really didn't pick up on that at all, did he it, oh. say, he literally just translated his script into a book yeah i mean this is,
1: this is this is this is more of a technical book than it is a story, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is actually,
1: um, and that that's obviously reflects the background of the writer.
0: Yeah, you you, you as I said, he, he is not a uh, he's not a novelist. No, by any stretch of the imagination. No, the
1: yeah, I think the Cybermen were not the were not the only ones without emotions in this, were
0: they? Like, no, they weren't. You you needed someone like well, Terence Dix, basically.
1: Yeah, but yeah, the difference the difference between actually the the base staff and the Cybermen wasn't that great.
0: No. It really wasn't. It was just a... It's not a very good breed. It really isn't. Um, now, the, the, finishing off, the one thing that is completely different is the Doctor's regeneration. Yeah. Now, as we know from the the very few bits of surviving footage from Episode 4 of the 10th Planet, uh, the Doctor stumbles into the TARDIS and then collapses and changes into pa- uh, Patrick Troughton. Yeah, in the book, he walks into where well, he sort of goes into a sleeping capsule. Or yeah, something. he goes well ahead of Ben and Polly, doesn't he? Who um, then just sort of go on about. Uh, ben says, "Oh, you know, it's he never thought he'd regard the TARDIS as home, but you know, now he does. He's so glad to be back there in you know in the in the warm compared to what it was like in the base." Blah blah blah. Yeah. and they hear this strange. They can't find the Doctor. Uh, they hear this strange screaming noise. And they go to walk off to find it, and they find this metal capsule which the Doctor is in. And when they open it up, they see that he's got the cloak pulled over his face and they just notice his hands are completely different. But then you actually get a scene with the new Doctor. Yeah. Now, to me, this is the only bit that Jerry Davis got right because it reads like Patrick Troughton. Yeah. The very few bits of dialogue. It's a very, very short conversation. It lasts, what, barely a page and a half, doesn't it? But the little bits of dialogue that he writes for the second Doctor, it reads like Patrick Trailton. Yeah, but was it necessary? No!
1: And this this is what gets me with this book, is that you get these bits that are just not necessary to the to the story. And obviously, you, you do realise with a target novelisation, there are only limited amount of pages. They're not mm. going to be long books. No. And you just feel, I'd rather have had some explanation given to some of the bits of the story than you add pages to the end
0: mm. now this is, this is the other thing as well because the whole the whole book is written from Ben and Polly's perspective Yeah, not the Doctor's the yeah. Doctor does, as you said, he, he does naff all in this story No. Um, so they witness everything throughout the entire story and so you get right to the end and Jerry Davis turns it into the Ben and Polly don't witness the Doctor's regeneration
1: Yeah. and to what end? I don't see again, takes it out of continuity yeah um, because I don't know if the novelisations that follows this is the power of the Daleks, how that starts.
0: Yeah, I'll have to maybe read that one next, actually. Yeah, just to see how it plays out. But yeah, it's that, that was that again. It was another pointless thing to do. Yeah. Why? Why would you have it? that The, that the companions don't. Um witnessed regeneration. And plus the fact by nineteen seventy six they know how the doctor regenerates. You you've had um Yeah I, I, okay, you didn't see Troughton regenerate into uh, Pertwee. But you've already seen on the T V version you had Hartnell meld into Troughton. Yeah. And the next one you really did see was Pertwee um transforming into Tom Baker. Yeah. At no point was a metal casket used. No. So why introduce that all that time later?
1: It's, it's almost—it's almost as if he's predicting Peter Davison's Doctor's Need,
0: or for the Zero Room.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, that's what—that's what he's done here, isn't it? And
0: also uh, Colin Baker's uh, lines to close off Case of Androzani. You get the Doctor briefly saying something before the episode ends. Yeah. Or maybe it was seeing into the future. Who knows? I don't oh, think so. Oh, or, or, or did. Whoever
1: come up with the zero room have read this novelisation and decided like, oh, that would should be quite good for a doctor that he needs yes. to get into a capsule.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't know. It, it just seemed a, a pointless inclusion. Yeah,
1: it just it just was, yeah. wasn't it?
0: Absolutely pointless. Absolutely pointless. So, well, so if you had to recommend this book to anyone, Paul, would you? Um, no. To neither be honest, would, no. Neither would I. Not not ahead of anything
1: else I've read so far. Yeah, that <laughs> doesn't mean about Doctor book Who books either. <laughs> 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 in my entire life, everything I've read comes to No um, No, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely not. <laughs> if you're trying to think, uh, the only reason you'd read this is for is to complete, or you'd be reading them if or if you was reading them in order.
0: Yeah, that's. I don't it.
1: think you'd ever read this book as a. Oh, I must read that, or no. you know. I must. Admit, I must read that again. I don't think. I don't no, think you're going to go back no. to. Do
0: you know what? This is actually the second time I've read this book. Is it? Because I've I read it when <laughs> I when I, fir- when I first got all these uh, books to put on the iPad. um yeah. I read that because I thought. Well, I read that. And then I. Ooh, this isn't very good. Then I watched the um, the internet. What's left of the the TV serial on the internet? Yeah. and I thought that's not very good <laughs> either, really. Um. And then we selected it for this podcast really because it's a short read, a very very short read. Yeah. Um, I thought okay, maybe we'll come back to it, and maybe I might, you know, maybe I might change my opinion. No, I haven't, and if, in fact, it's done nothing but reaffirm my opinion. Yeah, that it's not a very good story, and it's not a very good novelisation either. Unfortunately,
1: no, there's there's nothing there's nothing from the book that I will take out and remember probably more than the serial. Nah, and I don't think it shaped my view of the serial. No,
0: not really.
1: So, just basically, because it is almost. You might as well have just given us the the shooting script.
0: Which is basically all this is. Yeah. Really. With a few bits which he has tweaked to the best of his abilities. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: don't actually have anything to do with the story.
0: No. (laughs) No, so I'd like to swiftly forget this one, actually, and move on to the next novelisation, whatever the hell that is. (laughs) Yeah. We haven't picked one yet. No. I hope it's better than this. Okay, um, yeah, I, I think yeah, I think that's it. That's it. it it's not a very good read, and based what you saying, it's one to avoid. Yes, really, unless you absolutely must read it. No, I mean if you're if yeah. you're reading
1: if you're going through the books in order, you have to read then, it. Yeah, then yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but it, actually, it's not. You don't even necessarily need to read it. It's difficult even to read it for continuity because it's not continuity with anything either.
0: No, it's not. It's, not. T-
1: it's taken away all the continuity you can out of
0: it. Yeah, and, you, and we all know how who fans love a bit of continuity. But <laughs> so. well, it's not even that. But but that'd be the only reason you'd read it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. It's true. Uh, okay, then. Well, um, I, I think I, actually, I, what I think what well, we should have reintroduced the um, our rating system because we, we only we only really do the rating our new rating system for any new transmitted stuff so you, you'll probably see the return of that uh for the when we review the Christmas special. But um if I was to give this a rating it will it'll will get the, the lowest, the Sontaran commander Stire rating, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, no I think
1: I think we might have to have bought in a new rating system for this
0: alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not um yeah, I, I definitely would not recommend this to anybody. So, anyway, anyway. Um, what are we doing next week then, Paul? Uh, not totally sure yet. <laughs> yes, we might do another Big Finish Review next week. Yes. Uh, now, you had selected one, hadn't you?
1: Um, well, we, I, I was waiting to talk to you, which we'll do after this podcast.
0: Yes. So we're not, Yeah, so yeah, I think that's the plan for next week. We're going to do a Big Finish Review next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it may might... be worth
1: watching the Twitter feed to see.
0: Yes, to see we're what we're doing what, if you want to know in advance. Yes, what we're gonna do, because we haven't quite made our minds up yet. No. So um yes. So okay then. So that, that'll be next week. Um the following week, well that'll be Christmas weekend, won't it? Yes. Don't know what we're doing well, then either.
1: It's the weekend before Christmas, isn't it?
0: It is. So we were we were sort of hoping to do something special for, for Christmas like we did last year. Um <laughs> Unlike we did last Unlike year. Unlike we did last year. But um, unfortunately, time has been against us yeah. this year. So we haven't been able to do anything, no. I'm afraid. So it would just be a... a, a that's nort- our
1: present for everyone.
0: Yeah, we? exactly. We're not going to try and do it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. You're not, get, you're not getting a podcast that weekend. That's our gift to you. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. It is. <laughs> and a thought is all you're getting. <laughs> Ah, right, okay, then let's wrap this up. Right, so until next week when we'll be back with something, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. We don't usually do extras for our podcast, but after the the uh, conversational cul-de-sac of of Williams settling back into his scat, you Paul's just googled it, haven't you? I did just sort of yes, yeah. You know what I'm talking about now, don't you? Yes, yes. Because <laughs> yeah, all I could think
1: about was jazz, and I was thinking, well, I don't think he was necessarily sitting <laughs> back to
0: listen to some jazz. But no, yes. Okay, yes, okay, okay, okay. Now you know why I didn't want to google it. You were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at who's-he-podcast.